I'm Emily Swinford, and with some help from my friend, Todd Studer at Todd Studer Productions, you are listening to Emily Sells Iowa, the podcast. Join me, my colleagues, clients, and friends as we discuss real life, real estate. Please note that the opinions and content of this podcast are my own and not necessarily the opinions of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, any realtor associations, or any other persons or entities. If your property is listed with a real estate broker, please know that it is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers. If you're interested in buying or selling properties, what is happening in your community, or what's new in the real estate world, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to this episode of Emily Sells Iowa. I'm Todd Studer, and Emily Swinford is in with us today with Better Homes and Gardens, The Good Life Group. Emily, you brought somebody with you to the studio. I did. I brought my colleague and good friend, Lindsay Shaben, who is also a realtor. Being a part of uh, Better Homes and Gardens, you also are a part of something called SWIRE. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct, Todd. So SWIRE stands for Southwest Iowa Association of Realtors. Uh, It trickles down just like any uh, trade organization. So we have a national level, which is National Association of Realtors, what you see the um, TV commercials on. And then we have state organizations. So in Iowa, the Iowa Association of Realtors. And then our local chapter here is the Southwest Iowa Association of Realtors. And so SWIRE is what oversees our local MLS, which is our co-op of Realtors, where we agree to work together in certain ways, follow rules, keep the market fair and open, both for the general public and realtor to realtor. And it's also the computer program where we enter all of our listings, make changes, and then that's what shoots it out to all of the other websites. So there's kind of two components to it. Lindsay was uh, is currently serving as past president. So she was president of our uh, Southwest Iowa Association of Realtors last year. Well, Lindsay, what is the benefit of something like that? How, how does that help all of the other realtors that are in the area? I would say just definitely getting involved and letting everyone know the importance of working together and also kind of sharing that common uh, goal to help our consumers and um, better our professionalism as well for the entire industry. Is this something that you already have some set guidelines in place or is, is it a fluid type of thing where things can change and you can take a look and see whether you need to make some adjustments. Um, So both. Uh, Real estate is a unique industry because your competition is also or are also the people that you have to work together with to put a deal together, obviously, while representing your own client the best that you can. But uh, you have to be able to get along. But you're also competing for sometimes the same listing or sometimes you both have buyers for the same house. And sometimes buyers and sellers don't always see eye to eye. So um, it can just be kind of an interesting arena, if you will. So the realtor associations do have rules, uh, but it's very organized. So I guess you could say that it's fluid in that some things can be changed as the market changes. Uh, So new rules are created and old rules are given the boot. Uh, Lindsay actually knows a lot more about that than I do because she's been so hands-on with it, with the market changing rapidly over the past couple of years. But um, it just kind of gives uh, checks and balances, I guess, if you will. So sorry, I'm kind of rambling, but real estate law handles real estate agent and client or the general public. It does not handle real estate agent to real estate agent. So this is all kind of put in place to make sure that we are handling things on another level ethically that is not necessarily the bare minimum when it comes to code. Well, you brought up the last couple of years. And Lindsay, did you ha- were any changes put into place in order to try and 
cope and uh, make adjustments with everything that was going on with COVID because it, it hit the real estate industry pretty hard. It did. It really did. And we really weren't sure what was going to happen. And so we had to work with our lobbyists, both at the state and the national levels, to make sure that we could keep operating as uh, real estate agents to keep the housing industry going. And so that led to some mobile notary services and keeping our courthouses open so that we could continue doing business because um, at the end of the day, these people needed housing during this whole pandemic. So it was really critical to keep us working. It also changed a lot of things as far as even being able to show a house. Mm-hmm. because There was a lot of uneasiness, especially early on when information was cha- seemed to be changing daily as to what the recommendations were. And everyone's just kind of playing catch up. Yeah. And we really had to move quickly to kind of figure out what are those safety concerns too? How can we keep everyone safe, our sellers, our buyers? just to keep everything moving. We went to virtual tours where you could essentially walk through a home without ever stepping foot in it. And so that was definitely helpful. Was it successful? Do you feel that the things that were put into place, having gone through it now and on the backside, you look at the way things were, do you feel that you were successful in making those adjustments? I do. I mean, I think we changed a little bit of how we do our business. And I know Emily and myself, you know, we started Zooming and, you know, doing some consultations a little bit different. And so that's also been a benefit to our safety as well that we need to think about, just our personal safety as well. And then as far as the housing, the virtual tours has been helpful. But it's not quite the same from not being able to step foot in a house. You don't get the, the feels and the smells and, uh, and everything that still are involved. And so um, although it helped, we still need to get you in those doors. So. Well, I have been on both sides of the fence as a, as a home buyer and a home seller. I could always sense, a, you know, lack of a better way of putting it, a little bit of energy when I walked into a place that I would imagine that if you're just doing it virtual, it's really hard to recreate that. Absolutely. And so, you know, when we'll do those video tours or uh, we do FaceTime a lot, we'll work with military and those people may not step foot in that house until they close on it and when they get to town. Um, And so trying to relay that message of that energy and kind of all the feels of the house too. Were there any permanent changes? Did anything happen over the past couple of years that are now this is how it's going to go moving forward? I don't know that there was. I mean, definitely the mobile notary has been a benefit that's come out of this. And so that's definitely alleviated some of the headaches when it comes to, you know, having our sellers sign documents if they're not here. So that's helped. Another thing that we wanted to talk to you today about, Lindsay, is that you yourself are a uh, investment property owner. So you have uh, properties that are available to rent out for other people. So you, you, you have some insight into that particular area. Did any of that change over the last couple of years? No, I I don't think it has. Um, I know going through the pandemic uh, with the moratorium, I know landlords were really concerned of, uh, you know, are people going to just stop paying rent? And, you know, what position is that going to put us in? Um, But as far as locally, we didn't see that too negatively. Um, And, you know, people were still able to continue to paying rent and that wasn't an issue. But definitely screening has been a major, um, you know, critical piece into that getting that good tenant to to make sure that the time that they're with you or in your homes, uh, things go smoothly. How does that process go? Because, I mean, obviously everybody needs some kind of housing, but at the same time, from from your vantage point, you want to be able to put the best tenant in there. Again, probably another balance that you're looking for. 
Right. So we utilize Easy Landlord. And so then the tenant is able to fill out an application and then it goes through a background check. And so we're able to just check some, you know, a few of the requirements that we look out for, um, just both financially and safety wise to make sure they're a good fit for our homes. Do you represent anyone, say a a first time property investor as a real estate agent? Do they come to you and ask some questions about how is this process going to work? They do. And I'd say a lot of people are kind of interested in getting into that rental world. And so I do get that quite a bit. And so I'll kind of talk through things with them and let them know experiences that we've had and, you know, mistakes that we've made. And um, so hopefully they don't make them as well. Anything jump out that, okay, this is, this is a red flag. You really need to be on the lookout for something. I would say just an initial kind of conversations with people you can you can start to pick up on things and then definitely look closely at that background check. How is the rental market right now? I, and I have heard over the last several years that um, if someone has a place for rent, typically you get a lot of applicants that it's uh, the inventory uh, is not as uh, high as what the demand is. So there's more people looking than there's actually places available. Absolutely. And that's the same with our, you know, the residential sales. We have such a shortage of inventory. Um, And so whenever we do post a rental that's coming available, we'll easily have 100 applicants in a day. How many different locations are there out there that people can go to look? I know uh, a few websites where people can find rentals, but how many locations are there out there? Oh, I mean, there's several. Um, You can go to just even like a Facebook marketplace. They can check on Zillow. Um, There's a couple of websites here locally that people can use. Um, Property managers utilize some as well for their own. Um, And just signs, word of mouth. Um, We don't really have to advertise much. They get filled very quickly. That's what I'd heard that um, I'd I'd spoken with uh, someone else that uh, manages a lot of different properties. And he said that he'd put up a listing and by the end of the day, he'd have 30 responses that it was just that quick. And I'm also, this particular industry, I think, has been very beneficial, uh, especially in the Council Bluffs area, because a lot of rehab happens on uh, some of these homes before they get them ready to rent. Because, you know, as a property owner, you want to be able to maximize your value so you can maximize uh, your profit and and on what you can charge for rent. So it's helping to raise property values all across town, I think. It really is. And, you know, one thing that I want to stress, too, is to, you know, follow the rules. And Council Bluffs now has... um, Uh, an inspection process and you do have to have your rentals inspected. And so I do think that was uh, a great program that was put into place to really protect our community, you know, from those properties that haven't been cared for um, and, you know, to help set a standard as well for landlords to maintain our properties as well. So as you are going to be, you're no longer president right now of Swire, correct? Or, or are you still president about to step down? So my, um, I'm serving as my past president year, so I'll be done in December. It's a four-year process. As a past president year, that sounds mm-hmm. kind of confusing. <laughs> you're still very involved, and so that way you can help the leadership I because see. you have that history and that knowledge and of the things that have been going on. And over your tenure as president, how do you feel about it? Do you feel pretty good about how things have gone? I do. You know, I was kind of thrown uh, with a pandemic and so wasn't expecting that. And, you know, like we all had to kind of pivot and excited about some of the things that we put in place. We do have a new executive director who's doing a wonderful job um, at the association for us. 
Uh, we just recently unrolled a new website, so hopefully that'll be more um, informative and useful for our members to utilize moving forward. So I'm, I'm pleased with the things we were able to do during my presidency. Well, with uh, with Swire, how far out does it go? I mean, is it all of Southwest Iowa? I mean, that can be an entire quadrant of the state. So how far out does it go? Really, as far as anybody wants to serve. Um, we kind of focus on the tri-county area, so Harrison County, Pottawatomie, Mills, but then all the surrounding. And so it's really up to the agent as far as how far they want to travel for their business. Emily, as a, as a member of Swire as well, how has it benefited you? Um, well, I just recently got uh, started to get involved about two years ago. So I, I do want to clarify because there it, it can be confusing. So there is a difference between realtor and real estate agent. Uh, it's not a negative thing by any means, but realtor is actually a trademarked word. Is that the right way to explain it, Lens? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, if you are part of the MLS or the, your local and then as part of your local, the state and national organizations, that then you are able to call yourself a realtor. So that use that word is used uh, kind of inter- interchangeably. But in order to actually be able to use the word realtor, you do have to be a part of these associations and a part of the MLS. Otherwise, uh, you'd be considered a real estate agent. So it's kind of like Kleenex tissue, and it's not necessarily a negative thing, but there's a lot of confusion. So when you see those commercials, uh, some of the national campaigns, and you see that word realtor, when you see that it's in all caps on marketing materials, that's why, because it's actually a trademarked uh, brand name. Actually, I think I remember seeing the little circle with the C in there that says copyrighted. It, it, that would lead to just what you're talking about. Yes. Yep. Or like a rights reserved or it's, it's, so that is kind of uh, the difference there. Uh, being involved with the, with Swire here locally, I have, uh, we're actually getting ready next week. We have our annual golf bash and I think it's the, oh, correct me if I'm wrong, the 37th or 38th year in a row that we've done this golf tournament. And so this year the uh, proceeds are going to Pottawatomie County Housing Trust Fund. Last year we were able to raise nearly $10,000 for the First Responders Foundation uh, that all went back to first responders. So I kind of head up the golf committee, although we have uh, several people that are involved with that uh, and obviously couldn't do it without them. And then also on the education committee, so we try to make sure that we have enough continuing education for license, licensing requirements because we have to take so many classes every uh, three years to renew our license. And then also just kind of, um, we well, we just started doing Zoom panels last year where we have different uh, members come on and kind of talk about how they do things. So just different learning experiences there. But it's been really fun to get involved and to realize how much as an association we actually do give back. I'm curious that uh, as you got into the real estate industry, uh, then you started seeing all of these different opportunities, just how widespread and how deep everything was and how much you can actually be involved with that. Any surprises with just of the scope of, of all that's involved? Yeah. And just like anything else, I think in life, uh, personal or professionally, you get out what you put in. And so we are always in need of volunteers, but I've been very surprised at how rewarding it actually is at the end of the day. And that's whether you're a part of a local organization or Swire, if you're a real estate agent and want to become involved, or um, again, just uh, even in your personal life, uh, your marriage or what 
whatnot. You get out what you put in, but there are a lot of options. So in the real estate world, it's hard to determine where to focus your energy and where to focus your time. And I think at the end of the day, it's just important to find something you're passionate about and start there. Does Swire do anything like uh, membership drives or to try to bring in new members to the organization? Or has it been around long enough now that is just people just automatically gravitate towards you? They do. And so to belong to the MLS, which Emily mentioned, that's what houses all the data so you can have access to the properties that are for sale, you actually have to belong to the board. Um, So we don't necessarily have to do a a drive. Um, We more so do it on kind of a charity basis or, you know, how can we raise money to give back to our communities that we're involved in? So we don't necessarily do it to get more members. We just do it to... um, raise money for our community. Yeah. And so the individual brokerages determine whether or not their agents are required to be a part of the organization. So Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, the Good Life Group requires us as agents to become part of the realtor organizations. And the MLS is really important. And that stands for multiple listing service. I don't know if we mentioned that earlier, but it is a a huge data bank. So appraisers, when they're going out to appraise a property, sure, they can look on Zillow or the assessor's website just like anybody else, but the MLS is where the data is the most accurate. How long the house is on the market before it goes uh, before it goes pending, what date it closed, if there were any seller paid concessions, so you can get a true picture as to what the actual bottom line was on that net sale. Um, and so the appraisers are members of our organization as affiliates. And that is where they get their data to make sure that they are doing accurate appraisals, which is a very important piece of that puzzle, because that is what affects you when you go to buy or sell a home and get a loan for that property. You brought up Zillow. I love to get opinions about this because I got sucked into that when I was selling my house and looking at the property value going up by anywhere from 1600 to $2,600 a week <laughs> as it just kept skyrocketing. And how accurate do you feel that what they call a Zestimate, because it's people look at it all the time, and I'm sure that you get questions, is this actually what my house is worth? Or maybe they come into your office believing that. So where, where is that accuracy versus what you believe the market will actually hold? Well, as realtors, we have a love-hate relationship with Zillow. So it's very uh, user-friendly from a consumer standpoint. Uh, We have similar apps that we're able to communicate directly with our buyers on uh, that are comparable to Zillow, but you typically would want to be working with the buyer's agent to be able to utilize those. Um, So the Zestimates, they're based on an algorithm, which even Zillow will tell you, contact a local professional. Um, So sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, sometimes they're way high, and sometimes they're way low. I don't know exactly how their algorithms work, but I have noticed that the more rural that you get, and Lindsay may or may not agree with me, but the more rural that you get, the less accurate they are. And that's probably because there's less data and you might have one home sell for 125000 in a smaller town that is near in proximity to another home that's selling for 400000 So price per square foot and all of that can vary depending on the age of the house. And there's lots of different styles of home within a shorter amount of space. So I don't find that they're very accurate. And I, it's a good starting point, but always call us <laughs> and we will actually do a physical walkthrough of your home. You don't have to clean your house for us to come walk through it, but then we can give you an idea as to what your house is worth based on those uh, comparable sales and data that we can access using the MLS. 
A lot of fascinating stuff here that uh, and I, I always enjoyed learning about some of the more details, especially with having gone through the sale of a home and with the real estate end of it and understanding that things, in, in my mind, you know, something something's value is whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. it, it it's difficult for me to understand the comparables in, in all of it that goes on, but that's why... That's why you're, you guys exist. That's why you are good at your jobs. And that's why I think that uh, uh, people need to be giving you a call. And uh, emilysellsiowa.com is the website, correct? That's correct. Or Facebook. Or you can find you on Facebook as well. So, uh, and again, Emily Swinford and uh, Lindsay Shaven, both with Better Homes and Gardens, the Good Life Group and Council Bluffs. Thank you so much for uh, coming into the studio and uh, uh, sitting down with us. And we're going to... Keep cranking out these Emily Sells Iowa podcast. Thrilled to have you uh, here in the studio and uh, looking forward to continuing on. Thanks, Todd. We're having fun. (laughs) 